Okay, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be finishing up this passage, verses 22 through uh, 36, Matthew chapter 14. Now, while you're turning in your Bibles, let me encourage you to be back this evening. We're finishing up the book of Judges. We, we talked about that. You remember the three chairs that we began to talk about, the commitment, the compromise. And uh, we, uh, we will be ending the, uh, the book tonight, hopefully. Uh, in, I mean, it's three chapters, so, uh, but maybe we'll get through. But the message will be, I, I mean, it's, it's so important. It's a challenge, and we need to really pray about this. But the message title is, Wake Up Little Susie. <laughs> now, you remember that song? How many remember it? Oh, Wake Up Little Susie. Yep. Who sang that? Everly Brothers. Brothers. If you haven't, you got a computer, go home, look at the words. I want you to look at what they were saying as compared to what it is today. What they were worried about as far as what it is today. Now it's very important, and, and I'll tell you what, it's one of the most horrific chapters, or they, these are some of the most horrific chapters I've, I've ever seen. You're talking about Hollywood taking this and turning it into a horror movie. They really could. It's awful. But, is eye-opening, so I want you to be, a, be in prayer about it and be back and be a part of it. Now, I want us to look in verse 22, and immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead, of him, go ahead of him to the other side. Immediately. Immediately what? What has happened? Well, if you'll go back in verse 19, ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the 12 loaves and two fish, Looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the, to the multitudes, and they all ate from that, those, that little bit of food. But not only that, they were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And there were about 5,000 men who ate and that's aside from the women and children. So that's a lot of people to feed off of that small amount. Amen? Now that's a miracle, people. And then to have 12 full baskets, not partially, but 12 full baskets left over. Now, here Jesus was preparing the disciples for the end crisis the time was speeding up. The people were seeing that Jesus uh, had performed these miracles. Disciples saw this. And Jesus tells him to go to the other side. Get in the boat and go to the other side while he goes up to the mountain to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I've taken tests. And unfortunately, I've had to retake tests. This is what the disciples are going through. And Jesus is trying to teach them because the ultimate, the final crisis is about to happen. That will spring forth into crisis that they will have to experience throughout their entire life. And they'll need to learn 
to trust in Jesus. They'll need to believe who Jesus is. They'll need to understand this. And so this is what he's saying. And immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. It was a good distance out into the water. But it wasn't making much headway because the winds were so strong against them and the waves. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, this is dark, one of the darkest parts of the time, morning. And, and uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, it is a ghost. They did not see who it was, not fully. They did not recognize him. Here was a ghost. Why? Because they'd never seen a person walk on water. This is not walking on the stumps as we talked about last week. This is walking on water. And they cried out for fear, and immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. In other words, it is I am. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, and this is where we're getting to in this passage. They see Jesus, they do not recognize Jesus because he is walking on the water. They think it is a ghost. They think that maybe it's a, a, a spirit coming after them, maybe the death spirit. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water, on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. And seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. In other words, he had been walking on the water beginning to sink. It was a gradual thing. It wasn't the nesty plunge. It was a gradual thing. And... Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Here is their first time. You are certainly God's son. Now Peter recognizes that, doesn't he, later on in chapter 16. But you are certainly God's son. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they uh, sent into all the surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. The word had gotten out who Jesus was, what he was doing. And they began to entreat him that he might just touch the friend, or they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. It reminds us of the lady that was hemorrhaging that touched Jesus' cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. People, this is an exciting passage, but it's a very challenging passage. And you know, it's a passage that won't mean a thing to you if God doesn't speak to your heart. I'm not asking you to look to see what might be said that you've heard before. 
I'm not asking you to look to see what mistakes I might make or might not make. I'm not asking you to look to see how dynamic or, or what you think might not be so dynamic a presentation it is today. I'm not asking you to look at anything that I do except hear the Word of God. I want God to be glorified. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask God to open your eyes that the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God may reveal to you what He so desires for you to hear. Because I can't do it. I'm inadequate. Now I can be a channel, I can be a vessel by which God works through, and that's what I ask. But I'm asking you to pay attention to what God, His Spirit, says to you. And let's experience something unique today, because that's the only way you're going to experience it. Father, I pray for your grace and its sufficiency to touch our hearts and our lives today. Lord, guard the uh, words that I say. Help them to be the words that you would have me to say. Help the message be the message that you would have me deliver. But I pray that even with that, I pray that the ears and the hearts of all of us will be open to hear what your spirit says and has to say to us. And may we be receptive. Lord, may we allow you to work the way you so desire to work. Just allow a special anointing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at Peter's reaction. It says, immediately after hearing this, Peter uh, speaks up and he, 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 Peter answered him and said, Lord... After the Lord said, what, don't fear, it is I. Then he says, well, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, who else would be doing that but Peter, right? I mean, he's the one who speaks up again and again, and especially represents, it seems like, the rest of them in the boat, as he does elsewhere. And knowing the disciples, this is not being out of character for Peter. It's surprising, though, to hear Peter request, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why? Because this is showing a type of faith. You see, this is showing a certain faith and trust that Peter has here. This is very important. Just imagine the scene. They're probably tired. They fought the waves and the wind most of the night. They've been through the sitting of the, uh, the 5,000 plus and feeding them. And they're tired. And then all of a sudden this image shows up to them and it's walking on the water. And it's dark. And they become frightened. And Jesus comforts them. It brought first fear into their life. And then they hear the voice. And maybe the voice sounds familiar. I don't know what it is. But 
Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I want to tell you, this is a remarkable demonstration of faith. How many of you, if you put yourself, oh, I know you know the story, and he did. But how many of you would have been like the other disciples who just sat in the boat? Most of us probably would. But Peter, he said, Lord, if it is you, then have me walk on the water. Not so that I may come to you by swimming to you, but let me walk on the water. So, we see that the Lord says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water towards uh, Jesus. And he begins to look around and he begins to sink and then he cries out to the Lord save me and immediately the Lord stretches out his hand and he took him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt and when they got into the boat the wind stopped and those who were in the boat they were in awe they worshipped him you are certainly God's son Peter saw the figure in the dark he heard its voice Take courage, it is I. In other words, I, it is I am. Peter says, okay, then command me to come. In other words, if you are not a ghost, if you are Jesus, if you're the one who has stilled the winds and the waters, then command me to come to you. If you command it, in other words, it can be done. He recognized the authority of Jesus. He recognized that Jesus had that kind of authority. And Peter steps out, not only authority that he had, but on the authority of Christ's word. And he started towards him. How many of us step out in faith like that? Oh yeah, we've done it at times, haven't we? We need not be too judgmental about Peter because we get to the same point. Now, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said something that I, 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 really, I disagree with, but I can see his point. He said that the great, he believed Peter was uh, out of line to make this request. He reasoned that when Jesus told Peter to walk towards him, knowing he would sink, it was to teach him a practical lesson. Now, he was teaching him a lesson, sure. He was not to do anything as foolish as this in the future. I disagree there. Why? Because the, Peter's rebuke in verse 31 is not about his request or act of faith. Jesus was happy. He accepted that. But it was his vacillating faith, waving faith. Now, sometimes I will say I agree. This is where I agree with uh, Spurgeon. We are too presumptuous. We do ask to do what we are not called to do and often flounder in our attempts with our faith. So I agree with them there. We need to be very careful, which we'll talk about in just a moment. We need to remember some very important things about faith. Number one, do you want to be a water walker? Then find the stunts. No, I'm just kidding. If you want to be a water walker, then you need to discern, be able to discern between faith and foolishness. 
This is not a story about risk-taking. To discern between a foolish impulse on my part and an authentic call from God requires more than just courage. It's got to be accomplished by wisdom and discernment that comes from an ongoing relationship and a dependency upon the Lord. A lot of times we want to just step out when we haven't been stepping in and having that relationship like we should. And it becomes more of a courage type thing than a, uh, a wisdom and uh, discernment type of thing. Getting out of the boat requires making sure Jesus thinks that it is a good idea. This is why I believe that I went a little different and I believe that Peter was right in it because Peter asked for clarity. If it is you, if it is you, then command me to come to you. Peter trusted in Christ enough to believe he too could have an adventure with the Lord. Do you believe that? A lot of times we say we do, but boy, when it comes to it, well, it's never been done that way. I like it the old way. I'm satisfied and content with being in this traditional way. It costs too much money. We don't have that kind. And just on and on and on. If we're going to be water walkers, we need to discern between faith and foolishness. But if we're going to have that adventure, we've got to be willing to get out of the boat. Second of all, water walkers, as I said, the second thing, they get out of the boat. You know, it'd be difficult enough to get out of the boat if the water was calm. But when there's any kind of disturbance and there's strong wind and opposition, it'd be a lot harder. Why? Because the boat is our anchor. It is our lighthouse. It is our safety. We're content. We're safe there. There may be something inside of us at times that wants to walk on the water. But at those same times, there's something that causes us to keep from walking. We're comfortable where we are. The comfort of routine existence. Many of us, we, we dare not get out of the water because of that. Our boat, our safety, our comfort zone is there. And we just don't want to leave it. It may be our job. Maybe money. Maybe possessions. It may be our place of abode, our, our routine at school, our it, it may be our, our routine at church. If we're going to be water walkers, then we must not only be desiring to discern between faith and foolishness, but we got to be willing to get out of the boat. You've got to get out of the boat. And then third, 
water walkers, you can expect problems. It's not going to be all smooth riding. I wish it was. Peter eyeing Jesus got out of the boat and started walking towards him. But what happened? Soon reality set in. He got his eyes off Jesus. He looked around and what did he see? The waves and the wind. And he, just like us, probably questioned, what in the world am I doing? You see, nothing had changed. The wind was blowing one. The water was, uh, the waves were there. They were continuing to stir. The only thing that changed was what? His focus. The focus of Peter. In our lives, the excitement of walking on the water. Man, we get excited about our programs, our different things that we want to do. We get excited about what's going to happen. And and maybe we have somebody come in and, boy, they just pump us up. Boom, 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 boom. Just like that tire. And then the air begins to seep out. You know, there's opposition. There's unexpected obstacles. I didn't expect that. Difficulties. Disappointment. Setbacks. The newness and excitement of our experience is soon replaced with disappointment, discouragement, failure, even fear. And on top of that, somebody has to rub it in. You know? Ah. Man, I told you it wouldn't work. I told you we couldn't do that. Oh, my goodness. Verse 30. (laughs) We see sometimes... What happened, Peter, often happens to us, doesn't it? He began walking on the water, but instead of looking to Jesus, he began to look around and saw the winds and the water. He began to sink. As I said earlier, he didn't take the nasty plunge. It was a gradual sinking. That shows us the reality of him walking on top of the water. He had been up there. Another thing we might pick up from this gradual sinking is his faith seemed to be gradually wavering, just like all of our faiths do so often. Man, I know mine does. That's, that, that's the way it is when we look away from Jesus. And it's so easy to do. We look at our circumstances, our problems, our fears. We start slowly focusing in on what? Ourselves then. He wasn't focusing in on Jesus. He was focusing in on him being out there, ourselves, our strength, our reasoning, our problems. And then what? Our faith in the Lord slowly begins to waver. You see, this faith that Peter had is not just about, you know, uh, like the, uh, there's three different, I'll say three different Latin words. And uh, one is notitia. 
And that means faith content, content, the knowledge of it. And you'll find this out in Matthew chapter 16, where Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then there's the ascensus, a Latin word meaning agreement, ascend, ascending or assenting to the doctrines that are taught and believed. And, and you'll recognize that later on in Matthew also. But here it is fiducia, another Latin word, and it means just trust. But with Jesus, this just trust is in the source. It's trusting, just trust in Jesus. It's simple, isn't it? But it's not that simple always, is it? Trust in Jesus. His trust wasn't constant. We need to understand something. The faith that saves us is like that, isn't it? It's just trusting in Jesus. We make it so hard a lot of times. Oh, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. You didn't pray this prayer. You, you left out that word, you know, this type of thing. It's trusting in Jesus. Knowing that he's a Savior and that you're coming to him for salvation. Peter did not... Here, he, he did not cry out to the disciples, did he, to save them? Spurgeon is, had something right on target here. Peter was closest to the Lord when he was submerging in the water. It was then that he recognized his need completely. Isn't that the way it should be? And it was then that he totally depended upon Christ to meet that need. That is what salvation is. It's when we come to the Lord and we realize we can't save ourselves. And we realize we, we have a need. And that need is to be forgiven. To be born again. And so we ask Jesus to save us. And that same trust is when we start walking with the Lord. And we get to that point like Peter did. We get our eyes off the Lord. Maybe we've been trusting the Lord. But we get our eyes off the Lord. And Jesus tries to get us refocused and say, what were you doing beforehand? Just trusting. Just trust in me. Just trust in me. Fear, though, is something that all of us experience sometimes in our lives, unfortunately. We, we've got to learn to deer, deal with fear on a regular basis, unfortunately, because it's not just a one-time thing. Each time we desire to grow, it involves going into new territory and taking new challenges and each time with those new territories and new challenges we are faced with circumstances and situations and things that we are not or have not been comfortable with fear and growth seem to go hand in hand the decision to grow involves a choice between risk and comfort this means we need to learn to renounce comfort as the ultimate value of our life and that's hard to do a lot of times. Jesus asked Peter, why did you doubt? With that question, we might ask ourselves the same question. Why do we doubt at times? Why do we doubt in our Christian walk? I want you to just think about it. Do you understand Jesus? I think I do. There's a lot that I'm, I'm still growing in, understanding him more, but... I tell you what, the way I react sometimes, I don't understand Jesus. 
What do you mean, Mike? Well, do I understand what he did on the cross? What he accomplished? Do I understand what he did on the cross and what he accomplished and how it affects my life? Do I understand that with that he never leaves me? Do I understand that he comes to to live within me by way of the Holy Spirit? He indwells me. Do I understand that, that he has prepared a place for me? If I go, let, heart, let not your hearts be troubled. If I go, I will come again. Because why? I am preparing a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do I understand that he's coming back? Do I understand all things work together for good to those who love the Lord? I don't always. At least not with my reactions. To those who are called according to his purpose. Do I understand that Christ intercedes for me on a continual basis? Well, sometimes I feel like, Lord, where are you? Do you really care? Do you know where I am? Do I understand that nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ? Neither tribulation. Well, sometimes I feel like it. I'm out there by myself. Distress. Tribulation. Persecution. Famine. Nakedness. Peril. Sword. Do I understand that in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us? Not always. Do I understand that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Well, the way I've responded, some people would say no at times. I do. But it's a growing type of faith. Fear and faith go hand in hand so often. If we understand this and more, then we might ask ourselves, should we doubt? Well, we shouldn't, but we do. As long as we're in this old body, as long as we're in this old flesh, we will because we'll be tempted to get our eyes off the Lord. It's not because of anything that is wrong with the gospel, and it's it's certainly not anything wrong with Christ and what he did. It's because there's something wrong with us, our focus. We are inconstant creatures. One moment we can be happy and excited, the next moment we can be sad and depressed. You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't take earth-changing directions either to, to, for this to come about. It can be something as small and as significant as just having a cold. It can be something very traumatic. It may even cause us to have such emotions as being not only fearful but angry. We can try to talk ourselves out of being depressed. We can often talk ourselves into trying to be happy. We try to at least. 
We hate to be creatures, though, who are out of control because we soon find out that our talking will not do the job. It's our trusting. And with those times, we must realize that God is yes. Even when we feel down, even when we feel out, even when we feel depressed, even when we feel neglected, whatever, we feel alone, that the Lord is there with us because he says that he is. Jesus rebuked Peter, but did so lovingly and caringly. When Jesus and Peter entered the boat, the wind stopped, didn't it? Remember back in chapter 8, where the disciples were in the boat and they were fighting a storm and they were in fear of drowning, and what did they do? They went back to Jesus and he was calmly resting through it all, sleeping. They woke him. Don't you care? And what did he do? He calmed the waters. Well, here they are in another situation. Similar to this, but not quite as bad. And we see that they are doing the same thing. So this lets us know that we are going to have those emotions. We're going to have those feelings. And what we've got to do is we've got to just little by little, step by step, continue to trust Jesus. And when we have those discouraging times, remember to reach out in faith. He did reach out in faith, didn't he? He reached out to the one who could save him, Jesus. Save me, Lord. And God did. Why? Because God was there for him, and he cared about him. And he didn't want him to drown. That was not his intention. And guess what? He got to walk back to the boat with Jesus. While he was sinking, probably that time brought him closer to the Lord than he had been. Because he in desperation cried out to the Lord in total dependence upon him. It's what God wants. He just wants us to be totally dependent upon him. To do nothing? No. Man, to be people that walk on the water, you've got to step out. But you've got to step out with a reason and faith and to glorify the Lord. Carry about your business. Trust in him. Walk by faith. Glorify him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.